Hi, I'm Youngmi Mayer. And I'm Brian Park. And we're your hosts of Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. We explore and process our experiences with sex, dating, survival, self-worth, and everything in between. We also invite guests to talk about their own experiences, too. Some recent ones include Michelle Zahner of Japanese Breakfast, Ki Kwan... Bowen Yang, and the list goes on and on. Feeling Asian has had a pretty exciting year so far after being named a top podcast of 2021 by CNN and being featured on Apple and Spotify's homepages. We hope the podcast is creating a compassionate space for Asians, Asian Americans, and Asians in America to be themselves without feeling as if their time is a fleeting moment. Tune into Feeling Asian every Wednesday for new episodes. What's up, y'all? I'm Amanda Seals, and listen, I get it. We're in some serious times, so I think some of y'all forgot I'm a comic. She had them jokes. I mean, you forgot I had a whole HBO comedy special. I you forgot I showed love to how black women give compliments. Okay, polka dots. And threw shade to how white women move in corporate America. Stop CCing all these unnecessary people on these goddamn I get it. We've been cooped up for a long time. That's why the Amanda Seals Black Outside Again Comedy Tour is coming to a city near you. Go to amandaseals.com today and get your tickets so we can laugh and learn our way through this madness together. How black am I going to have to get? A podcast network. Jess, what's your favorite movie? I feel like you've stumped me with this multiple times. The Big Short. Really? Yeah. I thought you were going to say Flatliners. No. I I love that as an analogy. Revolver would have been my answer for a long time, but then I watched it again and was like, wow. It is objectively it's bad. It's objectively bad. But Deep changed my life. I'll never list it as one of my favorite movies, but it did change my life. Yeah. Braveheart was my favorite movie for a really long time, but I think The Departed. Oh, The Departed's a great choice. Yeah. The Departed's fantastic. The Departed and the dream one, Inception. It's up there. Inception. The dream one, you know. I thought you were talking about what dreams may come. I think like I like different movies for different reasons, but I like I fall in love with things that I feel have a big message you know mm -hmm. shows and stuff that have a, a big message uh the departed just a fucking great movie all the way around very entertaining easy to watch hot hot men so many hot men but um you probably do you love mark Wahlberg? do you are you attracted to mark Wahlberg? he's all right really he's yeah i not I thought he's that kind of dick that you would be into yeah he's he's um his own thing yeah that boston there's some it's kind of hot but like when you're in a movie with leonardo dicaprio it's like mm -hmm. when leo gets it on with vera Farminga, uh it's really great yeah it's really great yeah matt damon at the funeral when he puts it together i get excited every time i always say i fucked your bitch every time i watch it yeah i think matt damon's hotter than Wahlberg. Mm. really i mm. think so I don't like, I'm not, Matt Damon doesn't really do it for me. It doesn't. Uh, I've been doing some movie podcasts lately. Mm -hmm. I was on blockbusting, trashing The Martian, and we were talking about how The Martian beat out the big short as best comedy at the Golden Globes in 2016. What the fuck? It's, yeah, exactly. They put The Martian in the best comedy or musical category. I don't think I know what that movie is, though. It's, uh, not a comedy, I don't think. I mean, I think you could argue that maybe The Big Short isn't a comedy either, but it's definitely funnier. And I laughed out loud. Yeah. And they're, like, doing purposely silly things. Their fourth wall breaks when, like, Anthony Bourdain is explaining something, you know. Like, it's it's directed by Adam McKay, you know. How was The Big Short so good and then the one about Vice. Cheney so bad? I don't know. I think I think good movies are miracles. When you think about the hundreds and hundreds of people that like the closer look, the closer that I get to look at this industry. Right. I realize how crazy it is that we that uh, good movies exist because so many people are a part of the process and there's so many decisions that are out of the creatives hands, you know. Yeah. And there's uh, just the way it gets edited uh, I mean, that's these are big examples but i mean like there's like minute details as well from the from the 
early inception parts of the process when people are just coming up with the idea in order to get it sold, like in order for people to put their money into it, they also want to put their shitty ideas into it. Right. They're like, oh yeah, well I think that you got to have a dude, you got to change this character to a dude. You know, they'll like change your whole idea. So who knows why that sucked? It seemed like it was going to be good and it just, it wasn't. Right. It was, it wasn't. We also were like coming down off of ecstasy. So I mean, I get, or Molly. Were we? Yeah. So we might have just been in a serotonin. No, crush. no one liked it. No okay. one really liked it. That's uh the trailer was great, but uh, that that was it. You know, uh, I did another podcast, Nerd Critics Movie Podcast. We talked about the Rambo franchise, and uh, that was that was all right. But I recorded that episode. And if you want to hear my thoughts on Ram- on the Rambo franchise, you can. But that episode, behind the scenes, trivia for you, was recorded in a Mormon chapel. That's allowed? Probably not. I don't know. Probably not allowed. Uh, But if you got a key to the building, there's always some people use the church building for stuff. And there's just like, you know, a Monday night. No one's in the church building. I did cuss twice. But no, no, none of the the two hosts do not. In fact, uh, Bree, the producer, told me they don't cuss on the podcast. I did it anyway. I did it anyway. What words did you say? I think I said shit and fuck. And I just oh, once, damn. once each. I just said, you know, I said. Uh, you busted out the F. I did. I can't remember what I was saying about, but I don't know. Uh, just like Rambo said, fuck this shit. If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Jessa Reed are friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. Mormon and the meth head. Mormon and the meth head. Mormon and the meth But I... I hadn't stepped into Mormon church in a while. And it's so funny that they all smell the same. I walk in and the air has this distinct smell of a Mormon chapel. Like they got the same air filters or the same carpet cleaning routine. I don't know, but they smell the same. I did see one new, there was, you know, they have the same artwork in every LDS chapel. Anywhere you go, you'll see the same artwork. But they were, in the room that we recorded in, there was a picture of Jesus I had never, ever seen before. It looked a lot like the standard Mormon Jesus picture that you see. But he looked like a cowboy almost. Like his clothes were like a little too modern. And they were like, they were like, he looked like anti-hero Jesus. He was in yeah, black. Yeah, you showed me a picture he was wearing. He looked like uh, he was about to leave a wedding. You know what I mean? Like he's, yeah, he like he's white, taking his tie off. He had like a off. white tunic that's, un, that's like open so you can see a little bit of his chest, right? There's no buttons on it, but it almost looks like a shirt that's been unbuttoned a little bit, right? And then usually you see Jesus in like uh, with a red uh, like outer guard robe you right. know, over top of his tunic. And this was like that except it was black. It was black. Oh, I thought it was literally like a uh, business casual. I thought it was a, 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 suit, a jacket. suit jacket. They said another. So I was not the first person who mentioned it to them. They had another guest once upon a time that like talked to them afterwards. And he said, like, I'd never seen Jesus in a suit before. And they're like, what are you talking about? And then they when I brought it up, they're like, that's what he was talking about. He does. But it's it's uh, I don't think it, there's no like collar on it here. Look at this. There's no collar on. It. I think it's like a regular Jesus robe. But like. You know how when you play Smash Brothers, you can change the skins of Samus, and oh, like you can yeah. have like regular Samus, but you could also have like all black Samus. This looks like Dark Jesus. Yeah, and his his features are a little bit more angular. Like he looks, he, he looks, looks like Russell Brand. <laughs> it kind of looks like Jesus's uh, evil twin. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's a it's fantastic. Well, What's with Mormons and wanting everyone to be so ripped? Well, I, th- I feel like, uh, well, you can't see him. Does he, does he look ripped to you? He definitely yeah, looks. He looks like a guy who's ripped. All of Christianity wants Jesus to be hot, you know? Uh, they talk about that on Fleabag, too. Like, Fle- like they show all, those are all Catholic depictions of Jesus. I think Catholic depictions of Jesus are a little bit scrawnier yeah. than Mormon depictions. But, like, he still has a six-pack. still has got these muscles, you know? that We want Jesus to be hot. Everyone does. 
but Mormon Jesus is a little beefier. A little beefier. Definitely a little wider. Yeah. Why are your cheeks so rosy, Jesus? Hmm. Anyway, what I, I like those I don't what I wanted to talk about those those guys was just Mormon movies. I know I've touched on it before. I know I talked to you about stuff before, but like I was at my parents' house and they have every Mormon movie ever. And we still have there's Mormon movies that just they're they won't stop coming out. This year they had The Fighting Preacher. Did I tell you about The Fighting Preacher? No. The Fighting Preacher, based on a true story about a uh, a Mormon to a Mormon couple is called to serve as missionaries at like Joseph Smith's old house in New York. And no one likes them because uh, it's weird that like every town that Joseph ever lived in, the people, his neighbors didn't like him. that much. <laughs> they all seem to have problems with him. And so he no one likes them. But he wins he was the fucking preacher. <laughs> he wins the townspeople over with boxing. Uh, and the tagline of the like the, the he like punches people in the trailer like the, and then he like, I don't know, organizes a, a boxing match to, uh, I don't know, make people like him. But the tagline on the poster says uh, fighting hate with love. And I'm like, he's literally uh, fighting them just with, with fighting. fists. He's fighting <laughs> them with fists. I don't know if that counts as fighting hate with love. It sounds oh, like fighting God. hate with violence. But like uh, my mom doesn't see it that way. My mom thought it was very uplifting. I try. I ran this that joke past her at first. She didn't laugh at all, and I was like, "That's kind of funny." He has gloves. He's boxing gloves that say "love" on them. So uh, that's if you don't find that it's a little funny, <laughs> come on. And like, there the things that I have seen in the trailer for that one depicts the non Mormons the same way I've always seen. They're always dirty. Like, they're always poor and dirty and, like, vile. They're always just like, these goddamn Mormons, I hate them, <laughs> Mormons. <laughs> and then the Mormons are always, like, beautiful and nice and stuff. There's, like, uh, in the trailer, there's one uh, There's one woman who's very dirty and is like, I hate you, Mormons. And she has like a baby and she sleeps on a dirt floor. And then one that the Mormons come over and they're like, hey, we brought you milk. And she's like, oh, maybe you're not that bad after all. And I was just like, why do you make her look so dirty, though? Yeah. Why does she have to be dirty? I hate those members of the Church of Jesus Christ. Of It's just that. Maybe I don't know. They there's a I I feel like if you're making a historical Mormon movie, you got to call them Mormon still. There's another one that's coming out or just came out uh, uh, called Out of Liberty, which is about Joseph Smith in Liberty Jail. But here's the thing: How did all these movies get made without a Kickstarter? <laughs> um, I yeah I I don't know tithing, <laughs> the ultimate Kickstarter. Uh, <laughs> There's like BYU has a, I guess, a good film program, and they like Mormons raise like there's a lot of talented Mormons. And when I was Mormon, I dreamt of making movies, and I would dream about making a movie about Joseph Smith. You know, I'm yeah. like, oh, there's, there's so many good stories. It's so crazy. It's so cool. We should do it. So it's not surprising that they keep being made, but it's uh. Still, it is tiresome, and they're all the same. And this, there's so there's a mob of people that want to kill Joseph in this, and they're like, "Give us that prophet! We're gonna kill him." <laughs> Gross! And you just yeah, did just, the mouth. So yeah, the mouth. The, the missing a teeth. I don't know why. I, I I should get cast in one of these films, but I think you have to have a temple recommend or some shit. <laughs> uh, but then there's like the the guard who is like, "Hey, it's my job to keep." This prophet's safe, and I don't care what he's done. He's going to stand trial and serve justice. And then the prophet like, is like, hey, man, I'm actually a good guy. Read this Book of Mormon. And, and I'm sure that guy gets converted by the end of the movie. And it's just propaganda. It's annoying. The production value is frustrating because there is a channel called Gaia that's all just like Ascension stuff. It's all just like 5D stuff. And it is utterly unwatchable because it has the production value of like 1989 public access television 
the graphics are so bad. I'm like, did you buy a Nokia cell phone? <laughs> to How is it this bad? Like, I could make something better and more high def than this on my cell phone. What the fuck is happening here? And then I spent the night in St. George and BYU TV was on. And I'm like, this is all like Hollywood level, like very well-made garbage. Like, could we, how does this team have BYU the TV, good shit? Yeah, like has, that's a very frustrating channel. Yeah. Uh, because all their shows are dog shit. Super well-made dog shit. It's just no, and I, this comes from someone who was on BYU TV. <laughs> I, I did a season of random acts. I don't know if you guys knew that, but I was a BYU TV star. No one ever, no one. One time, uh, me and Ethan were at like a Burger King or something. This was not that long ago. And a guy came up to me and was like, are you on random acts? And I was like, I was until I got fired. And he was like, I love that show so much. It makes me so happy to watch it. And it's like a pleasure to meet you. And I was like, wow. That's wow. Uh, I, yeah. What weird. did you get fired for? I don't think we've ever talked about this. On oh, the I podcast. feel like we talked about it a lot. Have we? I wasn't good. It wasn't good. You were sad. I was sad, and I was also not. good. I wasn't what they needed because you thought it was dumb. It was bullshit. It was bullshit and dumb. Maybe have we not talked about it? I'll rant about it. You I know? think we did talk a little bit about you wanting them to help. Yeah, I wanted them actually to actually help, help people. Like I get that reality TV is fake. Right. But when your reality TV show is all about doing service and doing good things for people, it feels extra shitty that it's fake. And uh, we were like fake. All of our like pranks that we were doing were just fake pranks. Like we weren't. It was really gross and it made me feel gross. And the and so I wasn't like as into it. Right. Uh, right. And I but like I tried to be and I like brought to them like things. I was like, can we help this person? Can we do this? Oh, you know when I ranted about this was that time on the Awakening when I ran out of SD card and was just talking into. Oh, okay. So, here's a here's a story. This will be the first time I've ever told uh, people this story. Whatever. I don't know. I don't need to go into all this stuff. Do it. Uh, it's it's just it's like okay. I used to live next to a homeless shelter in Salt Lake City. Right. And I am still frustrated with people that are mean to the homeless people in Utah. You know, like it just we the the shelter sucks. And for years they've been trying to build other shelters. And every time we get close to building one, people in Utah are like, no, because they don't want a homeless shelter in their neighborhood. And wow, how godly. Right. And um, I think everyone should live next to the homeless shelter uh, because it'll change your perspective on what it's like. Uh, Maybe you have to have some level of empathy first, uh, you know, because we also had neighbors that lived in the same building as us that said really insensitive things. And I was like, you don't fucking suck. Like, yeah, they poop on the sidewalk. But like, <laughs> like I understand being annoyed by that. You live in, in downtown in a in a city. Like, right. I hate to break it to you. I know that you, you've never been outside of the Beehive State, but there's just poop everywhere in any city, <laughs> right? And like, no one's pooping on the sidewalk if they're in a good place. <laughs> like, no one's in a good mood. Have like a really good life and just and just <laughs> shitting on your doorstep. They're not. They're in a bad spot. God, is there a way to avoid? I guess you could just like not step in it. Like, could you? Is there a way to step around it? Yeah, I don't think these people were ever stepping in it, but they're just like frustrated with the smell. The fr- like they had kids, but like so did I. You know, I don't know. Um, anyway, it's a. It's just amazing how put out people are by like. Can you imagine what it's like to be the one that has to poop on the sidewalk? You know? Oh my god! One day, speaking of putting people out, one day that I wa- Kleenex filmed a commercial at like the on the block where the homeless shelter was, and they had to like stage this thing where they had this big sign that's and it said "You matter," and they surprised this person in it. You know, just kind of like random acts where it's like an orchestrated thing to look like reality, which is right. very in vogue for most commercials and most uh, things. And it surprises me that still today people believe everything that they're watching. I'm like, that's that's fake. Like everything we watch is fake, but. Right. 
they filmed this commercial to tell this woman that that uh, she matters, like you know, everyone matters, is the commercial, and they just displaced all the homeless people. <laughs> like everyone, leave. We're filming. Uh, so anyway, I I gained a lot more compassion for my neighbors living there, and uh, this is the story of that. One day, one night, uh, you know. We're hungry and can't decide what to eat. And I decide, like, I'm going to go to this wings place before it closes. So I'm just going to walk there and get some wings real fast. And I leave Tabitha. Uh, Ethan's, like, already asleep, I think. And I leave Tabitha and we go to go get wings and come back. And I walk past a woman who is pushing a stroller with a baby in it and has a small child walking next to her. It would probably be, like, five, maybe. And uh, she is crying and screaming, and she's uh, she's losing it. I think she like throws something down, and she says, "I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be here anymore." And she was just crying. And I walked right past her. I mean, I kind of like developed a walk on that block where like I walk really fast with a purpose and uh, and make sure like I kind of this look like don't fuck with me, you know, and. Like, everyone there is, like, if you walk slowly, like, everyone there thinks you're there to buy drugs. So, like, all these people would ask me all the time, like, yo, what do you, you know, you want black or white, black or white. So, I'm, like, walking pretty fast. And I I walk, I turn a corner, and it catches up to me. Like, you just walked past that woman. And it, it caught up to me so fast, I started crying. I just started crying at this woman's pain that she was, uh, you know. She doesn't want to live there. It's a shitty place to live. She has a baby and, and a, a little kid. And I did nothing. I walked past her like it, like she was a problem. Well, I because I needed to get to the wings before they closed. And I thought, you piece of shit. And I just started crying. I started crying, and I was like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. There was another uh, white lady walking, and she, she came up to me. She saw that other lady crying and saw me crying. Like, I think she had walked past her, too, and then she sees me crying. She comes up to me, and is like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm just a huge piece of shit that I just can't, like, you know, I'm sad for that woman. And then this woman was like so happy for me that I had um, that I had feelings. She was like, "That's so like like beautiful." She's like, she was like consoling me, and I that kind of made me more mad. Worse, yeah. Well, I was like, "We shouldn't like why are you why are you pat me on the back when I am a piece of shit?" And I just thought, "I'll do something. I'll do something." And so I turned, uh, like, "Oh no, this." I said, I did. I said, I think I told her, I was like, well, I, I did nothing. And she was like, but you want to do something and that's good. And I was like, that's not good enough. And I, and I left that lady and I went to, and I uh, chased down this woman and I was like, Hey, this, I don't want to sound creepy or whatever. Uh, I pointed to our window that like the lights were still on. You could see, you know, Tabitha up there. And I was like, that's my apartment. That's my wife and my son up there. Do you need a place to stay tonight? If so, you can stay with us. And so she took me up on my offer, and I took her home, and introduced her to Tabitha, and and played with her son. He was so cute and sweet. And she told me that uh, on the way there, she said her boyfriend had hit her. This is like her baby's daddy uh, and her boy, you know. No, but it's like the the baby's father. Might have been the kid's father too. I can't remember. Uh, but he hit her. They got into a fight and he hit her and then he just jumped into a car with a friend and drove off. And then she's just like outside the shelter like, I can't, you know, I don't want to sleep there again tonight. I don't like have my baby sleep there. I'm like, I wouldn't either, you know. Sounds scary in there. It's like overcrowded and it's just, it's uh, not a great place for little kids to sleep. And... So like we, I went to McDonald's and like bought him dinner, brought it home. We put out an air mattress in Ethan's room, and uh, her baby slept in Ethan's crib, and her and her kids slept in on the air mattress, and uh, Ethan slept with us. And we wanted to do more, and I like uh, went to Random Acts, and I said, 
I've got because they're always asking us for people that they could do things for. Right. So like the uh, the at least on the first season when it's a brand new show, I'm sure now they they have more truly random people. But like all the people we were helping is like someone that somebody on the show knew. You know, right. like they did this huge act of service for one of the host's parents. And it was just like the ho- like the uh her dad has never finished his basement and like he does a lot of nice things for people around in the town and he could really use a new basement and so then they like finished his basement Jesus Christ and uh you know and they and they film it like it's and the like, people are crying and it's like this touching thing and I'm like that guy's fine he has a basement <laughs> he's f- it, it, uh, okay I, and so I was like hey I've got somebody can we get this woman an apartment. Like, could we get her, like, and I had her phone number and stuff, and I was like, could we do something for her? Could we give her diapers? Can we do something? And they just told me no. They were like, there was some stuff like, well, legally, it's going to be really hard to give somebody a, a place to live. And that's why I was like, anything? Could we give her, you know, anything? And they are like, <laughs> and then we went back to, do, and so it's like really hard to then like get, get pumped about uh, giving uh, away stuff to rich people yeah uh, and Ugh. and so like anyway but i don't think that's that's i think that's a very uh way to, it's a nice way for me to frame it because i can pat myself on the back and be like i was fired because i was so compassionate i was also bad at the job like yeah when i would watch the show the the people that i hated working with were clearly better at it than me like they were like you know, there's this like, hey, oh, we're here today. And I couldn't do that because I was like, that's, uh, oh, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. But then when I would watch me on there and I'm like trying to play it cool and I'm like, hey, so we're in San Francisco today. Like, I I'm bad television. I'm yeah. Da- it's not good. But then I got fired at the end of the season when uh, Tabitha was leaving me and I hadn't told any, I couldn't tell anybody. And I was like still going to work and I was just like a dead husk of a person. <laughs> and I was like walking through this woman's burnt down house uh, <laughs> and, and just like really feeling it. <laughs> I was like, I know what this house has been through. Like I identify with this house. Um my friend Josh said he watched that episode and it makes him cry. <laughs> you can tell that I'm bummed out. And I was like, I thought I was hiding it very well. Apparently I wasn't. Um, how long did you have to keep it a secret? I don't know. I don't know. Not terribly long. It's just like the end of that season. It was just like a few days of work. I felt like, oh. uh, uh, but, and then they, and then I got a phone call from the producer that was like, Hey man. So, and he told me we we're going to like, I, you know, I, we're going to miss you and we should go out for lunch. You and me, we should go out to lunch sometime. And I was like, in my head, I was like, that's a lie. <laughs> he doesn't want to. And then I just, hung, so then I never had to tell them. So, uh, yeah, they still don't that's know. That's tight, yeah. <laughs> but, hmm, oh, well. Yeah. The thing, uh, I also like. I think I, uh, on that same Awakening episode, I talked about a different person that I met from the shelter. Me, it took Ethan to a playground, and there was this other guy, Jeff, that uh, brought his kids to the playground. And like his, he talked about his kids like living in that shelter. It's scary and it's sad. You have a lot of compassion for them if you just like talk to them. And like I talked to Jeff, he had he had an accident and went to the hospital. While he was in the hospital, he lost his job. He came out of the hospital with like tens of thousands of dollars in medical debt and no job. And then they lost, they couldn't afford their, their house anymore. I think they were just like renting, you know, month to month. And so he got kicked out. So him and his wife and his uh, boys were all in a homeless shelter. And then, uh, you know, the, I think his wife got into drugs while at the homeless shelter. And then his wife left. Like a lot of people are like, you know, they're, say they write homeless people off as drug addicts and there are certainly people that use and go homeless and that's a, if you want to hear like why you should have compassion even for those people listen to our andy gold episode on the patreon like it's just even those people like even if you were like you had everything you had a house and everything was good and then you started using heroin and became homeless uh, I still have compassion for you. But like you need to understand that a lot of people go homeless and then get addicted to heroin. Yeah. Because what else are you doing all day? What else are you doing? Yeah. 
and for what, like ten bucks or something, you can just get high. Yeah, you gotta you're gonna get high. Also, there's just nonstop heroin at the homeless shelter. Like like I said, every time I went out, people offered me heroin. Even when I was with Ethan, sometimes people would offer me heroin. And uh, I took it as like a compliment. <laughs> I was just like the first time people like asked if I was there to buy, I was like, Do I look like do you think me? I might buy heroin? Stop it. Stop it. Thank you. I love feeling <laughs> like a bad boy. But so I just imagine it's very easy to get addicted to it. Anyway, I, lo- I love talking to that dude. And I wa- and then not like up close and personal. We became Facebook friends. So I watched from a distance. But from a distance, I've watched him pull uh, himself by himself and his boys out of that place, get a job and get back onto his own two feet. And that's hard work. Harder than anything I've ever done in my life. And so many people look down on them. They're just like, "Eh, drug addicts. I don't want them in my neighborhood. And it it, it bothers me a lot. Me too. Uh, Anyway, I was thinking about how much better Mormon cinema... Well, I'm wondering, was Mormon cinema ever better? What's, What's interesting is the guy who... I would credit as kickstarting Mormon cinema was like, like the one, the first guy, he was the one that actually pushed boundaries. Like Mormon cinema has gotten safer and safer and more conservative as time has gone on rather than the opposite. Like the very first big movie was God's army. And it was made by this guy, Richard Dutcher, who ends up leaving the church. He ends up becoming an ex Mormon. Right. Uh, and didn't he kind of like uh, foretell that in his movies a little bit? Yeah. You remember I'm talking about this. It's a movie about missionaries, which then is gets replicated constantly. Like every Mormon filmmaker wants to make a movie about their mission. And the thing is, I do think missions are cool and unique experience to the rest of the world. But to us, it's like every one of us has served a mission. And how many movies do we need about missionaries? Really? Uh, but this first one, you know, there's a lot of like cheesy Mormon stuff in there, but there is like darker things. There's a there's a missionary. There's a character in the movie that gets into, quote unquote, anti Mormon literature. And the scene that I still think about is when like the main character who's like the brand new missionary who's like 30. There's other, everybody in the movie is like way too old to be a missionary, which I guess is like common in any movie stuff, right. like where you're supposed to have teenagers. that are always being played by 20 year olds or whatever. But it's it looks funny. Richard Dutcher himself is in the movie and they try to make jokes about how old he is because it's like he has medical reasons for why he's so old. <laughs> Not like not like Benjamin Button disease, but like he had he had cancer, so his mission keeps getting delayed or something, and he keeps coming back to the field. But the but the motherfucker is like thirty five and balding. <laughs> He's got thinning hair, and uh, it's it's terrible. But he uh, Richard plays the trainer of the main character, the brand new missionary. There's a scene where the brand new missionary gets up in the middle of the night and goes to the refrigerator, and he when he opens the refrigerator he sees that this other missionary is sitting at the table in the dark with all these pamphlets and magazines spread out all this anti-Mormon literature. And he's got tears coming down his face and he says, so creepy. He says, God damn them. If it isn't true. And I think about that a lot. God damn them. If it isn't true. And he's so sad. He's heartbroken. Like it's still played up and uh, like it's evil that he's reading this evil stuff. But Richard Dutcher put real heartbreak in this character. And then the scene that I told you about that you thought was very interesting is that that missionary tries to go home. He tries to he tries to run away in the middle of the night and goes to like a bus station. He's like done. And the other missionaries chase after him. And it's Dutcher himself, uh, his character puts hands on that missionary at the bus station, like grabs him and yells at him, you know, and it tells him like why he's so wrong. And I think back and I'm like, I think Richard's probably exploring some of his own personal feelings there. Wrestling with his own demons. Yeah. He's both characters. Uh huh. You know, and Mormon cinema would never, ever come close to that kind of nuance ever again. 
It's the first movie the Mormons went out and saw in mass. And now did they criticize it? The criticism I remember uh, was referenced in another Mormon movie, actually, was that they showed missionaries uh, to, that's the word that I want, inappropriately. Like, they showed missionaries talking about girls, which is true. Missionaries talk about girls, you know, but I think it's kind of awakening because we hold our missionaries up as, like, perfect emissaries of Christ. Did you talk about girls? A tiny bit. Yeah, of course I did. Of course I did. I don't. Uh, I think if I had different companions, I might have talked about it. Maybe no, nah, I probably wouldn't have. I think I. I think Derek probably wanted to talk about him way more. Derek's the one that I uh, feel like we met those girls on the train asked us to get off at their stop. Yeah, and I was like, "What? We? That's not where we live." <laughs> Are you slow? What's the matter? <laughs> We're going to Busto Arcicio. <laughs> Am I saying it wrong? What's happening? Uh. I mostly had like crushes on girls uh, from the ward. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, I have I know I have journal entries where I I, I confess uh, my feelings for Sara Canaletto. It's like, oh, she's so beautiful. But like that's that's it. Uh, yeah, it's mostly just Sara Canaletto. <laughs> that's all I talked about. I mean, I think there'd be like a cute girl at church that we would like you know acknowledge or something. But I I didn't spend too much time talking about it. the line from God's Army is like some. Some quote about, like, if you don't look once, you're not a man. But if you look twice, you're not a missionary. And they're all like, well, how many times did you look at her? And this one guy's like, I'm still looking once. (laughs) Just holding this really long, creepy (laughs) stare. And in true Mormon fashion, it's just like, just a plain one. (laughs) This hot chick, which is the, like... That is also very authentic. Like, I remember us getting horny in the MTC for the movies that we were allowed to watch in the MTC are, like, church-made movies where there's, like, uh, uh, you know, there's seriously actors painted brown. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, Nephites uh, and, like, with this girl just, like, kisses him on the cheek or something. And there's, like a ver- like, an audible collective sound there's like thousand missionaries all watching this movie on sunday night it's movie night and we're watching this movie and there's this little kiss like and we're like oh (laughs) imagine imagine a thousand people making this quiet noise this little shudder you know but there was also like missionaries taking pictures of each other on the toilet like there's like a guy like sitting on the toilet and another missionary comes in and like kicks open the door and takes a picture of him which is uh, like something a lot of guys did on their mission because they're 19 years old. Yeah. And they remember people being like that. I didn't like how they displayed missionaries like that. Uh, but I, that's the only controversy I uh, remember. It really resonates with everyone else's mission pictures and stuff. Like when we've traveled around and talked to people about their missions, there was lots of that type of behavior. Yeah. That's something I would never do. <laughs> I was like, I think that's dumb. Would I ever take a picture of you on the toilet? <laughs> stupid it's very stupid i mean i it is a shattering moment when you find out that missionaries are just humans are just human boys children and and not often good ones they are teenagers yeah right before i went i'm like you know 19 or something and i'm at a ward barbecue and this kind of younger woman you know, she's like married and has kids and stuff, but like, you know, closer to my age than the other adults at the party. She starts telling me about the missionaries that converted her and how like one of them was secretly dating her and how they would like sneak out of their apartment at night and come over uh, and like watch TV with her mm-hmm. and like snuggle on the couch and stuff. And I my image of missionaries was shattered. I was like, whoa, what? And then. Later, I found about missionary. Yeah, (laughs) that like I mean maybe it happened and she left that part out of the story. But later, I found out missionaries that just straight up had sex. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. So I think that there are people, the people that saw that movie were just you know they they wanted to keep their uh, crystalline image of missionaries in their heads. You know, yeah, I feel like well, there's tons and tons and tons of kids that go on missions just because their parents want them to, right? Yeah, and so you bring yourself. Absolutely. You guys listened to the Bill Squire episode that we did like that. Like if you had told me that those stories when I was 19, I would have lost my mind. I would have lost it. 
But those stories were always happening. So I think that it's weird that people who served missions were like, I don't like that they took pictures of missionaries on the toilet, you know. <sighs> so then it got more whitewashed. Yeah. I, there, so the next things to follow were comedies. They made Singles Ward, which was like a really big one. Singles Ward, again, a movie of people too old to be playing. <laughs> What's weird is Will Swenson, the star of Singles Ward, it has speaking lines in a Melissa McCarthy mob movie this year. Like really? He's in the trailer. He has two lines in the trailer. So I imagine he's a, a character that has a certain amount of lines. And I was like, whoa, look at Will. I was did like happy for him. Or not, what, did he read I don't know if church? he was ever Mormon, really. Oh, shit. I, I've opened for the guy who like wrote Singles Ward. He sucks. Yeah. <laughs> he sucks so much. Is the movie but, good? The, yeah, it, for me it was. A Mormon teenager, I loved it. Uh, I don't think anyone... I tried to show it to non-Mormon friends to see if it was funny, and it, it wasn't. <laughs> it's just a bunch of inside jokes about Mormons. But, like, no one had made jokes yet about us. Like, I never heard Mormon jokes yet. Right. You know, like, maybe in Utah these are all common jokes or something, but, like, there was a... There's a a guy at, at a at a ward party and he's like looking suspiciously and then he spikes the punch with Mountain Dew. And like I was losing it. I was like, that's so funny. A Mormon <laughs> would spike the punch with Mountain Dew and feel guilty about it. This is really silly, you know? Uh, there were a bunch of good jokes in there that I thought. And that was very popular. Uh, it has and but it has like, you know, a more a good Mormon message. He's he joins the church at the end and does the right thing. I think about it all the time now. The So he's like an inactive member of the church. He had been married, and then his wife left the church, and so then he started watching R-rated movies and stopped going to church. And, like, they play it up for laughs, like, that he's, you know, uh, at Blockbuster, and he's checking out all, like, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th and Terminator and all this stuff, and they're like... uh that he's binging R-rated movies, which right. is exactly what I did when I left the church. So, like, I think there's true, honest humor in it. It's funny. But then he meets a girl at church, and he falls in love with her. And then the big the big fight comes when she watches him his act. He's a stand-up comedian in of the movie. Of course he is. And he uh, tells jokes about Mormons. And she gets so offended. She cries. She cries because he references polygamy or something like that. Or he says, he, like, it's like his jokes aren't going well. And he says, you guys are looking at me like a more like Mormons watching an R-rated movie. And then that gets a chuckle. And so he leans into that stuff. And she's just like, those, those, to quote Bill Burr, like, they're all <laughs> jokes until it's about you. These statements that you made <laughs> about the church. And uh, so then he ends up, you know, getting back into church and then they get married. So, you know, kind of. But then they made a bunch of other comedies after that. And they they were just they had no more jokes after that. None of them were funny, but they just wouldn't stop making them for a while. And after I think I feel like God's Army singles ward. Oh, Brigham City. Richard Dutcher's follow-up to God's Army is a murder mystery set in a small town called Brigham City. And it's actually dark and kind of cool. Like, uh, the the kid who plays the main character in God's Army, like the new missionary, he's like the, spoiler alert, bad guy at the end. And he has, like, Richard Dutcher uh, has to kill his best friend. And it's dark. Like, wow. there's a his uh it's like his deputy he's trying to find he richard's the sheriff of the town trying to find the murderer in the town and it turns out it's his deputy and at the end he figures it out and he goes to the deputy's house and the his wife answers the door with their newborn baby and like hi sheriff and he's like yeah i gotta go talk to your husband oh he's in the kitchen cleaning his gun and he's like at the table cleaning his gun and he can tell that he's figured it out and he gives this like creepy monologue about why it feels good to kill or something. And he talks to the sheriff. He's like, you were supposed to keep everyone safe from wolves like me. And you just let me in. And you just, uh, you know, you got to feel super bad about this. And the only question now you have to answer is when I lift this gun off the table, am I going to point it at my head or at yours? And like, this is dark for mormon yeah, cinema yeah and he pulls the gun off the table and the sheriff shoots him 
And then, like, the wife with the newborn baby, like, the baby's screaming. The wife comes in and is like, what have you done? What have you done? Wait, you know, like, this is the end of the movie. This is this Wow. Is, this is pretty, yeah. So after those three, I don't think there's any good Mormon movie. I don't know. I did, there was something called the Saratov Approach that it, uh, was also uh, maybe dark, but I didn't give a shit, so I never saw it. But I, don't, I think after that, every every other Mormon movie has has sucked. I don't know. There was a there was a musical mockumentary called Sons of Provo that I don't think met, uh, not not a lot of people have seen. Will Swenson is in that too, and uh, I liked that one. That was funny. A musical mockumentary. Yeah, it's like it's like in Christopher Guest style about a boy band from Provo that's like blowing up oh, in the so Mormon world. So it's not world. a musical and also a mockumentary. Well, they sing. They there's yeah. Okay. I mean, there's plenty of musical numbers where they like perform okay. their songs and stuff. And uh, my mine and Jeremy's favorite part of the movie was uh, they have one song where they rap and they're like performing a concert. And then they're like interviewing the cameras, interviewing this girl outside in the parking lot. And uh, she was like, I, I didn't know what to expect. And then the music started. And then the rap started. <laughs> And she's like crying. And she's like, and my young women's leader told me that if I was ever in a not safe place, <laughs> that she would come and pick me up. So I'm waiting for her to get here. So uh, that. So other than those movies, I think they, they. I don't think I ever liked any of them. But my mother and father own every single LDS movie. My mom just believed in supporting them. Like we have to support these films, even if they suck. I remember being so mad because I wanted to go watch Million Dollar Baby. And my mom was making us go see Work in the Glory. We had to like, <laughs> drive to Virginia to, see a th- to find a theater that was playing Work in the Glory. And I was like, this movie blows. <laughs> Million Dollar Baby is going to win four Oscars. But we're watching Work in the Glory. Because she was like, we, if you want to see more of these movies, we have to support them. And I was like, I don't. I don't want to see a bad movie. They're going to make more bad movies because of you. And they've never stopped. So my mom. I love how faithful of a Mormon you were until it came up against movies. Right. Like, this is the line. I remember being the only person to criticize the Visitor Center's Joseph Smith movie. <laughs> this this was a big deal. Like, this is not a wide release. Uh, the, the, all the other movies I talked about were, like, in theaters. This one, the church made just to show in church, right? And the D.C. Temple had this brand new uh, theater in their visitor center where you could come, like, see Gladys Knight perform or some fucking acapella group. Uh, it's weird that we, like, just have some shitty acapella group and then Gladys Knight. Um, but then you like, we could also watch the Joseph Smith prophet of the restoration movie. Danny and I have talked about this, I believe. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm just retreading stuff here, but I remember feeling like this things that should have pointed out that this was a cult, right? (laughs) When like we walk out of this, uh, pretty bad movie. (laughs) And no one, not a single person has a single bad thing to say about it and i was like i've never walked out of any movie without someone criticizing it like there's you have something you don't like about uh schindler's list you know like or just or million dollar baby like there's people that don't like it the 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 unspoken rule though was like you can't criticize the prophet not even his his uh cinematic representation But I didn't know that rule. And so I was like, I thought a lot of the acting was weak. <laughs> and everyone everyone in the van is like, what? Uh, I really felt the spirit. And I was like, yeah, okay. But like, <laughs> did you think that that script was corny or what? And they're like, ah, uh, I really gained a stronger testimony of the prophet Joseph Smith. And I was like... That's not even relevant to what we're talking about, but cool. I'm glad. I'm happy for you. But didn't you think it was dog shit? (laughs) 
wouldn't you have wouldn't you have liked a little bit more depth to the to the characters in that you know like uh like because all the mob characters are just like we're gonna get you joseph i don't like that you challenge my thoughts about god and i was like is that what and i made i made everyone uncomfortable because i was just like i'm here to criticize I'm also just a little bit I, obviously contrarian. Like the fact that a, no one had anything bad to say about it. I then took a super hard stance yeah. against it. <laughs> I was like, the cinematography doesn't. <laughs> Did you ever have uh, church movies that you watched? Were there movies? We had fucking Bloodbot. And I've already talked about this on a podcast, right? Bloodbot? Blood, B-O-U-G-H-T. Oh, you have. I was imagining like a RoboCop knockoff with just like a robot that was out for blood. I'm going to find Bloodbot and I'm going to make you watch it and I'm going to make an Instagram story of you watching it. But it would be Pastor Huck standing up talking about like facts, like science facts that I don't know if they're real facts or not. And then we would come out because I played a demon a few times. We would come out and play out the things, but then it was also a musical. So like when Jesus was so this hanging is a, up, this is a show, a theatrical like, production. Yeah. yeah. What are you singing? Barabbas. Barabbas. That we called Barnabas in an entire episode. <laughs> uh, we did. God, I wonder if I could find some of it on YouTube. But then at the end, uh, uh. Oh God, it's so good. Hold on one second. Bloodbot. All right, while you look up Bloodbot, I just thought of another Mormon movie I did like. It was called Saints and Soldiers, and it was like the least Mormon of them. There was like a, a character who was Mormon, but it was about World War Two, you know. And I don't know. It was better. It was better. They. It's just like atheism versus religion more so than just. Mormonism, you know, like it's still a religious movie, but there was action in it. That's about, and it was like one of like the highest. Did you just find your pastor on YouTube? It's like one. I feel like a movie that made money or something. The uh, yeah, the wait a minute. Wikipedia confirms it's the most successful crossover LDS film to date. Now, when you call them LDS films, are they like affiliated with the church? The no, like okay. the the ones that I'm talking with the exception of that Prophet of the Restoration one, like that's that's a church made film. The other ones are just made by Mormons, so they're all like Mormon people funding it, writing it, filming it, working on it, but it's not officially a church project or something, you know. I remember the uh, Saints and Soldiers was originally rated R by the MPAA. And uh, Mormons felt very persecuted by that. They were like, There's, they're just doing that to be mean to us, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so they had to, like, re-edit some of the blood out so that it could be PG-13. Oh, Jesus. Uh, like, we talked about how, like, there's certain R-rated movies that Mormons would watch, though. Bravehearts was one of them. Like, Mormons would watch Braveheart or, like, The Patriot or something. That was my favorite movie for, like, 20 years. To bring it full circle, I would have said. <laughs> when he hung on that cross, every curse has been reversed, and you and I need to rise up and look at our family and say, I break every curse. I rebuke every spirit that's coming against my family. I'm this is what church was like for me every Sunday. The world says, like father, like son. Well, that's true. Like father in heaven, so shall the sons on earth. Like father in heaven, so shall be the curse is reversed but we've got to rise up and bind the devil because whatever you bind is bound but whatever you don't bind won't be bound makes sense that's in you but the devil just doesn't want you to know it (laughs) (laughs) oh my god uh jessa this uh wikipedia page has reminded me of so many more movies yeah yeah, the other side of heaven. How could I forget the other side of heaven? John Groberg's story. They just made a sequel of this one, The Other Side of Heaven too. This one had Anne Hathaway in it. And Sorry. Anne Hathaway is in a Mormon movie. Wow. Called The Other Side of Heaven. She's in it a tiny bit and she hated it. Uh it like came out the same year as Princess Diaries, I think. Oh shit. Uh it's like right before she becomes a big star. 
And it's so weird that she's in this Mormon movie. I liked that movie. That's, a, again, about a missionary. It goes to Tonga. Uh, then Charlie. Charlie. Oh, my God. The movie Charlie. Flowers for Algernon? No. <laughs> what? Do those words sound? What are you? What are you talking about, man? That's a different. Just because it's the one book you've ever read, you're just throwing it out all the time. What about Charlie? You were like flowers for Algernon. The movie. The movie adaptation. Of Flowers for Algernon was called Charlie. Oh, for real? I think, yeah. I thought you were talking... <laughs> Here's the thing. I've never, I've never read Flowers for Algernon. Uh, I have seen the uh, Sunny in Philadelphia episode where Charlie gets smart, uh, and that's what I thought you were talking about. Uh, no, Charlie is a, the name of a, a girl in this one. They have a woman who's not, oh. who's not Mormon. And she meets a Mormon man while in Utah and falls in love and uh, learns about the church and joins the church. And then they get married. Right. <laughs> and uh, then now here's here's the kicker. Then she gets cancer and dies and uh, then leaves behind a uh, like a, a note for her husband. That's like we're going to ride this Ferris wheel for a long time. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Which is about is a story then about uh, eternal families, like how like the our love goes beyond death because we're sealed together in the temple right. forever. You know, but now you're fucked so, because I'm gone. Right. So, but like you know, we'll be back together someday. So you know, can you get remarried if your spouse dies? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think then he does. I think he bitches? does in Charlie Two. Uh, it's not called Charlie. I think they need. Uh, I think they name it after the kid, the sequel. It's like that's he gets based a on new a wife book. and tries not to give her cancer. <laughs> no one was like, uh, does, does Mormonism cause cancer? <laughs> what happened to this healthy woman? You I know? love that I said Flowers for Algernon. You're like, uh. Some of the worst Mormon movies are Baptists at Our Barbecue, which is a movie about Mormons and Baptists coming together, and then Mobsters and Mormons... Uh, which is about a, like a mob family, I think gets put into witness protection in Utah and then has to like meet Mormons. And it's just like, it's really, it's really bad. It's just like uh, these Mormons knock on the door and they have casserole, but the mobsters have guns. It's uh, that's that. A movie called Church Ball. I took a date to see Church Ball. I did. Uh, should have. I thought it was gonna be funny. It was like they actually had like people in it, like real, real uh, actors were in it. Like a guy from the Christopher Guest, Fred Willard. Fred Willard is in a Mormon movie. The guy from Shits, not Shits Creek. That's uh Eugene Levy. Uh, but like, you know, Fred Willard is no. All right. Well, every, everyone else listening does. He's in this. There's like. Anyway, they were like other like actual actors. One of the Wilson brothers is in this movie. It's like it's like the third Wilson brother that no one knows. You know, there's like uh Owen and Luke. Yeah. And there's like some other third Mark. Wilson. I think it's Charlie. I don't know what his name is. But like I thought this was gonna be a good movie. I took a date to go see it and it sucked. It was not funny. But Mormons are weird about basketball. There should have been a lot of jokes to tell there about Mormons playing taking basketball too seriously. But uh, it wasn't. But I mean, like, 16 Stones, Ephraim's Rescue, 17 Miracles, Passage to Zarahemla, Inspired Guns. Oh, my God. Two Mormon missionaries begin teaching two members of the mafia in a case of mistaken identity. Oh, my God. What? I've watched, I've watched parts of that. I like the word it's, Zarahemla, it's, though. Zarahemla is uh, cool, if only we could find a passage. Here's an embarrassing thing is that uh Flowers for Algernon is maybe the only book I've ever like I reference it constantly. It's the only book I read before the age of 18 besides Flatliners. It's a short story and it's 65 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> What's more embarrassing is that I refused to read a 65 page book in high school i was like i don't have time for this I'm not we actually read, read it out loud in seventh grade and it was like i just never paid attention to anything in school and something about this stuck with me it is also is a banned book 
For it, what? It had explicit, explicit sex scenes and offensive words. So mm. it was a it was a banned book, which is probably why I liked it. But then it ended up just being it just like sticks with me forever. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read more. out of step. A young dance student leaves Utah for schooling in New York City. She falls in love with two different men and must choose between them. Like one's a bad guy, yeah. one's a good guy. Pride and Prejudice, a latter day comedy, is a latter day parody of Pride and Prejudice. The RM was the follow up to Singles Ward. Kirby Hayborn was a star of that. Best Two Years, another missionary movie. The Work and the Story. This is very meta. This is in uh, 2003, so only like four years after Richard Dutcher's first film. We're only like four years into Mormon cinema, and they're already doing meta comedies. This is a mockumentary about how Richard Dutcher has gone missing, and now we're trying to find who will be the next great Mormon filmmaker. Oh, Jesus. Right? Uh, I do want to say Richard, uh, after he left the church, made some really shitty movies. We couldn't find <laughs> the one, though. I wanted to show it to you so bad. What did we find? The name was called The Boys or something. Yeah. And it's just a whole movie. They'll tr- I've seen the trailer for it. And uh, it's just like, in the way that any like aspiring Mormon filmmaker just makes the same movie about missions, this was like the ex-Mormon version of that. It was just like a movie about how cool it is to drink in a bar and smoke cigars and talk about women's boobs. Uh, <laughs> and like he, you can watch the trailer and tell that they think it's so edgy and so cool. And it's like hanging out with the boys. But it's a completely Utah cast film. Like none of these people look cool or remotely comfortable <laughs> in a bar. They all like don't know how to sit. They're like s- sitting extra stiff. Like ha ha ha. Ah. <laughs> Two Koreans walked into a bar. <laughs> like they're all the trailers. Like everyone keeps telling, "Hey, let me tell you a joke," and then they just keep doing premises: a priest and a dog and a this and a that. Oh God! And and like they have like hot girls. Like Richard Dutcher's, I like, got a hot girl sitting on his lap, you know, and he's got a cigar in his mouth. It's so funny. I love Mormon representation of harlots. Like when they have the super sexy girl, even in a uh, singles ward. There's a part where like the the What's our favorite web series? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's it. IP section. The IP section does does it great. Where it's just like um, really just they can't get over the fact that women have breasts. <laughs> it's just like look at that woman with those breasts, and it's so like. It's so fun. Mormon sexuality is so fun to me. And yeah, in every movie, there's some like non-member woman. You can tell she's non-member because she's wearing eyeshadow. And it's like, (laughs) oh, she's very dangerous and seductive. And like when Will Swenson's on the road after he breaks up with his girlfriend in Singles Ward, like he's making out with girls. And there's like a, a comedy club waitress that like invites him back to his apartment. And they play everyone up like they're so sexy and they not to be rude, but they like aren't, you know, they're just yeah. like, n- like, I don't mean to say like they're ugly, but I just mean like they're normal women. Yeah. They're just like normal run of the mill women that are in- insanely sexualized by uh, a Mormon perspective. Right. Like, oh, yeah. God. Her legs. She has legs. <laughs> Look at her walk <laughs> around on those legs. They're just uh, horny, right? They're yeah. They're just very horny. Anyway, I want everybody to comment with their favorite Mormon movie. I know I've skipped over a bunch, uh, but like, if you want to talk more about church ball or anything, like, uh, leave your your story of your favorite Mormon movie. Like, what was the f- movie that you guys watched with your family or whatever? And... Uh, if you dislike my take on, uh, you know, an American Mormon. Oh, my God. People say the dumbest things about Mormons was like a film crew walked around and asked people. And it's just, I can't believe all. I can't believe there's films. this many. I, mean, I am blown away by how many I forgot about. I'm blown away that they keep making the home teachers. Dude. <laughs> 
<laughs> the home teachers wanted to be like planes, trains, and automobiles for Mormons, and it's just uh, really bad. Anyway, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. I think we gotta we gotta go. Yeah. But uh, you can find me just read comedy on Twitter and Instagram. Find our podcast uh, at Telestial Tweakers. Find Aaron at Aaron Woodall fourteen on Twitter and the Aaron Space Museum with a Z on Instagram. It's come to my attention multiple times that no one gets that handle. Like I'm very aware that no one gets it, but it continues to surprise me. Um, we gave we were at that Emmys party and we did this video with uh, Brian Baldinger, uh, who who works with us and. He wanted to tag me, and he asked me what my handle was, and I said, it's the Aaron Space Museum, and he was like, have you considered killing yourself? <laughs> That's your handle? You're gonna, what the fuck? Space? And I'm like, no, you have to spell out space, and he's like, what the fuck? What the fuck is wrong with you? And I just, and I just apologize. I was like, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's bad. It's bad. And then hours later, after the party, in the middle of the night, he texts me, oh, the air and space museum. And I was like, yeah. And yeah. then he apologized. And, he t- and I said, I said, just in time, I was about to kill myself. So I think it makes more sense. Like my friends in DC, like we like more familiar with that museum. So it's still not a very good pun. But just in case anyone out there also thought I should kill myself, I just wanted it's a pun based on a museum featured heavily in uh, Night at the Museum 2 Battle of the Smithsonian. So check that movie out, too. <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. So read our friends, listen to them talking to Mike. Starbanks Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offers the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer.